All right, are there still people have notes? They're coming. Has everybody got them? Okay. Well, the introduction here in our notes is among Christians, there has been a, uh, who hold to the inerrancy of the Bible, there's a, there's a debate between them concerning what we call a premillennial and, uh, and position and an amillennial position. The majority of Christians in the world probably are amillennials. <clears throat> the discussion is over the thousand-year reign of Christ uh, over the earth between the present age and the eternal age. Just to draw it on a board to let you know what it looks like. Uh, it's... Uh, we have what we call a, uh, the amillennial position. The amill has a two-age system. Okay, this is the present age right here. The present. It ends, and then there's the eternal state. Yes, the eternal state. So they don't have any, once the Lord comes at this particular point, then you move from the present age into the eternal state. Now to do that, there is some uh, interesting hermeneutics that you got to do to get that particular position. And we'll discuss some of that tonight and show you from the Word. Then we have the pre-mill position, which goes like this. The pre-mill... The pre-mail position, you have the present state. That's where we're living right now. Then there is a kingdom, which I would call the second stage, the preliminary, and then there is the eternal state over here. And I call this the mediatorial kingdom, kingdom of Christ, where he rules on the earth, and we're right here someplace after the cross. The cross is taking place in our present age. And we're right here somewhere, probably close to here. But the next event is the media, mediatorial kingdom. And we talked about the fact that we had a kingdom, a universal kingdom last week, that encompassed everything. When God created it, when God was done with the creation week in uh, Genesis, he said it's very good. When God says it's very good, it's perfect. And man fell, and so this whole utopia collapsed. And God is then in the process from that point on of reconciling everything to the eternal state. And eventually, this kingdom becomes a mediatorial kingdom, almost filling the universal, but when we get over here, the universal kingdom will be all in all. Does that make sense? In the middle, is that the millennium then? Yes, I'd call this the thousand-year reign of Christ. And the tribulation happens before it. Right here. Yep. Mm -hmm. So in other words, there was a flood that destroyed everything, put everything out of kilter. Mm -hmm. And what you see, the fossils and all that, they're either in sedimentary rock laid down by water, or they're in volcanic ash. And there was upheavals and so forth and so on. 
mountain driving up, Psalm 104, valleys going down. So in the millennial kingdom, it's not quite perfect. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. But that's not true over here. So you and I are in this kingdom. We get saved. We go into this kingdom, and then we go into there. You know, we're on my passage Sunday morning, First Colossians 1.13, he, he, he delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So when we, uh, when, uh, when time is over, you and I are headed for the millennial kingdom <coughs> and will rule and reign with Christ in that kingdom. Any other questions? I should have added, you know, let's go this way again. We have these two kingdoms. We have, uh, we have this kingdom and we have this kingdom. So there's going to be, in Revelation, you read, every mountain will be moved and every island will be moved. And there will be a great tribulation. There will be uh, things falling from the heaven and destroying the waters. Uh, read Revelation 6 to 19, and you'll find out that there's going to be a cataclysmic <coughs> judgment at this point. Jesus will come, and he will then, uh, unbelievers who are alive at this time, will go directly to uh, hell, if we could say. You know, when I think about hell, I just can't comprehend it. Can't have to comprehend all the suffering and everything. Unbelievers will end up here. Believers that are alive at the end of this cataclysmic judgment, there'll be 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, and uh, they will go in here plus Gentiles, and they'll create a new society here with Jesus Christ as king. And then, and then there'll be another cataclysmic judgment of fire renovating the earth again and then there'll be the new heaven and the new earth I do have a question yes um, uh, when when the rapture happens somebody said that anybody left on the earth they had no chance of being saved and I don't didn't agree with that but I thought maybe I better uh, I mean, that's a common thought, and the idea is that if you blew it in this age and you're still alive, and the Lord comes, there's still an opportunity, and that they may have an opportunity. Depends on how hard they actually work. So you you aren't saying for sure that. I'm not saying ad, adamantly no. Furthermore, it's going to be a great revival during that seven-year tribulation. A lot of people are going to come to know Christ in that time. You First of all, you've got 144,000 fanatical Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, who are witnessing. And it's like, it's like sand covering a sea of the thousands that will be saved. So even though it's a time of great wrath of God on the earth, it's also a time of His grace. There's always grace in God's wrath. All right, so that's the two-age system.
the amillennial is two age, we're uh, basically uh, more than that. Put this over here. Question about the amillennialists. They do not uh, hold with Israel having a future. They where it's more like replacement. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, here's the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. The cross separates. God dealt with Israel. Israel, right? In Old Testament. When it came time, when the king came, what did Israel do with the king? He said, we don't want him as a king. We reject him as our king, our Messiah. We'd rather have Caesar. Remember that crucifixion passage? Jesus walks into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and in Luke 19.44, he pauses, and he said, if you would have known the day because I, I fulfilled Zechariah 9.9. I came in on a donkey. I am the Messiah coming in on a donkey. You praised me. You said, Hosanna, which is save now. Is a Hebrew save now? Save now. And, you know, blessed be the king. He's coming in the name of the Lord. But they were rejecting him. Before the week was over, he's on trial. And he said, because you've rejected me in Luke 19.44, you can read that, you're going to be destroyed. 70 A.D., the Roman general Titus wiped out Jerusalem. And the Jews scattered all over the world. That's a dispersion. In the meantime, God goes to the Gentiles. Acts 2 starts with Jews first. Eventually, he goes to the Gentiles. Book of Acts. Now, and he calls this assembly the church. It's made up of uh, Gentiles and Jews. And the Jews and Gentiles are in one body. Sometimes a misnomer to say a, a Gentile... Uh, uh, Jewish Christian because Christians are Jews, Jews are Christians just like Gentiles there's no advantage to being a Jew in the church or disadvantage to being a Gentile we're all one in Christ when he fills his body he's got a lot of promises over here he has made a lot of promises God made a lot of promises through the prophets to the Jew that if in an all-male position, they're done with Israel. Israel becomes the church. And the church is the Israel of the Old Testament. Now, they're two distinct bodies, quite frankly. In Israel, they're all from Abraham, and genetically, they're tied together. In the church, we're, we're from, every, from everybody. I mean, you know. I've got, uh, I got uh, some French woman in my background which, which uh, probably counts from the fact that I'm so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so we come from all kinds of different. 
I get so tired of flowers every okay. day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, all millennials, what do they do with like, is it, is their view basically like the rapture happens and then there's no rapture, there's no rapture at all. It's just straight into the kingdom. There's one coming. Uh huh. Christ comes to the earth, separates the believer from the unbeliever. Okay. And then you go into the eternal state. So there's like the judgment is almost immediate. Yeah, they explain them away. And I'll tell you what that is. Take a look in your notes. And let's go to a major passage first so you can see the interpretation. The premillennialist, the third point down, the premillennialist believes there's an intermediate kingdom between the present state and the eternal state, and the amillennialist believes the present era is followed by the eternal state. The major criticism or the major point of the passage that separates the two camps is Revelation chapter 20. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. The question we have to answer, does the Bible teach an intermediate age or a mediatorial kingdom known as the millennial reign of Christ in Scripture? A question, should Revelation 20 be taken literally? With a brief looking over in your Bible, what happens in Revelation 19? Satan is bound over for a thousand years. That's in the 20. That's in Revelation 20. But what happens prior to that? You're right, Greta. But what happens prior to chapter 20 in Revelation 19? Christ comes. Christ comes. He comes to the earth. The whole chapter talks about that. He comes. After he comes, we start with Revelation 20. And it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He lay hold of the dragon who has been described in Revelation as Satan. The dragon in Revelation is Satan. He lay hold of the dragon. Well, in case you wonder who it is, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. Any questions? <laughs> and uh, he bound him for a thousand years. Question. The millennial says thousand years need to be taken uh, figuratively. Okay. And he threw him, that is the serpent, into the abyss, shut it, sealed it over so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed uh, after these things, he must be released for a short time. Is there anything figurative in this particular point? I don't think so. At least the way I read it. Is the Bible ever figurative with numbers? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, it is in one case. Second uh, Peter chapter three: a thousand years is one day. But that means that time is nothing to God. Yeah, but it's figurative. Yeah, it's not. You see what I mean? He can do in a thousand years what it take you to do in one day, and vice versa. What about the seventy weeks? The seventy weeks are literal. 
Your, your point is well taken. Uh, take the numbers like sixth day of creation. Yeah. I had a discussion with a guy this um, morning. Look at Exodus 20, verse 11. It's the Bible study, so. Do you believe, before you look and read it, do you believe the Ten Commandments are literal? The whole Ten Commandments. Okay, what does it say in Exodus 20, 11 about the Fourth Commandment? Read it, somebody, please. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Yeah. It's not the Lord in seven, six unidentified periods of time, God made the earth, and so you rest the seventh unexplained period of time. It's all to be interpreted out. Literally. Right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. So I say the numbers are literal. What kind of God do we have anyway? Is he bound to his own chance and time? Or is he a God above chance and time and everything else? How big is your God? Do the differences in interpretation come, do they have any connection to like the original manuscripts or wording? Like do they come out of that or just trying to explain a different idea? Well, I think this, you mean, uh, Who's what the Bible is trying to explain? Yeah, mean? if you trace the Greek back all the way. Yeah, there. the Hebrew. We go back to the Hebrew. That's the way it reads. Okay. Now the Hebrew is uh, not as is not as um, what should I say exact as the Greek because the Hebrew is an Oriental language and the Oriental language tend to be poetic picturesque but still literal it has a way of saying literal all right okay oh, where was I who brought me out to this point the thousand years do we have an intermediate body during this time or do we have our perfect body you and I at this time will have, be in our glorified, resurrected bodies because the resurrection takes place at the rapture of the church. <clears throat> so you will receive a brand new body looking just like you looked, only better. Some of us need improvement. <laughs> You'll be like Christ. 1 John chapter 3 and verses 2 and following. 1 John 3, 2 and following about the resurrection. Paul uses an illustration in, in 1 Corinthians 15. What is a glorified body like? Well, it's like planting a seed. Does a kernel of corn look like anything in the plant? The whole plant's in this little kernel. So, 
so we sow the seed, we bury the body, and we reap a resurrected body, but the body is defined as appearing as Christ. First John chapter 3 is a 2 and following. First John 3, 2 and following. Who's got it? Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Okay, the hope is that we will, we will be like Christ. Now, how old was he when he died? 33. 33. So, you take an infant to die, will be an adult in heaven, and, and somebody in their 80s will be 33. Maybe harder to get 80 back to 33 than 5 up to 33. It's amazing how much uh, humanism affects our thinking as opposed to be oriented to a God who can do anything and everything anytime he wants. All right. We'll go on now in Revelation 20, verse 3. By the way, in this short passage, in this short passage, we have a thousand years used six times. Now look what happens here. He threw him in the abyss, verse 3, and shut it and sealed him over so he would not deceive the nations any longer. What's the implication there? He's going to be locked up so he's not going to be deceiving what? Nations in that particular period of time. So it's not a universal at that point, right? It's immediate. Yeah, it's just, it's an intermediate. It's not the... It's not the new, the eternal state at this point. That's my point. He's not going to be able to deceive the nations. Here is the point. God's going to put man on the earth and there is going to be no satanic influence. No demonic influence. You can't say in the millennium, the devil made me do it. You can't say that for the most part here either. You can on certain occasions. I think people that walk in and just open machine gun fire and people, I would have to say they're some possessed by something. Or a Hitler or a maniac leader of the, those types. Okay. He said, I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them and the souls of those have been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and the word of God who had not worshipped the beast came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Okay, so the people that were killed in Revelation 6 to 19 were beheaded because they spoke out for Christ. They're resurrected at the beginning of the millennial reign and they reign and rule with Christ in their glorified bodies. All right, let's take a look. 
Verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years completed. This is the first resurrection. The next resurrection is the resurrection of the dead who will stand before the great white throne at the end. You and I are part of that first resurrection. The rapture of the church is a resurrection of believers. There's another resurrection at the end of the tribulation, which is a resurrection of Israel and all those things. Now, blessed and holy is the one who has a part of the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, together uh, gather them together for war. Okay. In this, I'm just going to draw a circle. In this millennial reign, Christ is sitting on the throne. Christ is on the throne. We'll read a passage, maybe tonight. We'll read a passage. You read it in, go read it yourself sometime. Psalm 2. Jesus is going to. God says, my king is going to come and he will rule with what? A rod of iron. A rod of iron. What is that? Okay, you've got people coming into this kingdom that are going to have children. They're going to repopulate the earth. All conditions are favorable. The curse has been lifted. The only animal, the only animal that will not be uh, the curse lifted is the snake, the serpent. He was the one Satan used to tempt Eve. He will still crawl on his belt. But that's where you read Lion will eat grass like an ox. The uh, bear and the cow will lie down together. A child will play in its backyard over a hole of a cobra. I don't even like it when I mow my lawn and there's a garter snake in there. <laughs> will so, sin nature still exist? Pardon? Do we still have, will there still be a sin nature? Of the people, of the that, people? Well, the people that are born, yes. Okay. And the people that live. Okay. There'll be believers, there'll be unbelievers, but they don't dare violate the law. And Zechariah says, everybody will, when Christ comes, he'll set his kingdom in Jerusalem. Everybody in the world will have to go to Jerusalem at least once a year. And if they don't, it won't rain on their parade. Or it won't rain on their field. During the millennium, you have to go once a year. Pardon? During the millennium, you're saying. Yeah. During the law in the Old Testament, it's free. It'll be a one-world religion. Huh? It'll be a one-world religion. Yeah, it's a one-world religion. religion. There's no freedom of religion. My wife has no freedom of religion. 
and she grew up in a pastor's home, so she'd never have that. <laughs> It'd be one world religion. So does anybody die there? Yes. Because if a believer died there... Believers won't die. It'll be the people who have messed up. But they won't die, says in Isaiah 65. They won't die until they've reached 100 years old. This cannot be the eternal state where Jesus rules with a rod of iron. See my point? There is a state coming in which Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem with a rod of iron, and he's going to judge between the nations. Have you read that Christmas verse? Isaiah 9, 6, what does it say? For unto us a son is born, and unto us what? A child is given. Pardon? A child is given. Child, oh, we better look that verse up. And the government will be on government his shoulders. Shall be the government him. shall be upon right. his shoulders. Right. But. Now, I, I'm not seeing it in church history, the government being on Christ's shoulders. I haven't seen peace on the earth. I haven't seen, uh, used to sing in grade school, country school, when I went to country school north of Bradshaw. There ain't going to be war no more. A song that was written, we'll beat our swords into plowshares. I haven't seen that happen. In fact, I see that the country has got to rev up because of the China threat. We're behind, folks. We've gone to sleep at the wheel. And China is ahead of us in technology, shooting rockets that are unbelievably speedy and we're trying to catch up. So uh, I haven't seen peace reign any time since uh, Jesus was here. And in fact, uh, Jerusalem has been, the city of peace has been overrun, overrun at least 84 times. Now God's going to settle. Remember this, God is holy and God is just and every sin will be judged. In our case, it's already been judged in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hey Rod, I'm really slow, but in verse 5, tell, tell me who the dead is. Tell me who that is again in verse 5. I'm sorry. No problem. It's our rear. The rest, the the rest of the dead. dead did not come to life until a thousand years were completed. That's a resurrection of the unsaved. We've already read the people that were beheaded. Yeah. They, the souls of those that had been beheaded in verse 4 because of the testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God who had worshipped the beast. So beheaded, they're dead. Correct. You're fast enough. Yeah. Okay. Is that then, is that verse five? The people during the tribulation. This is the people that have sinned for all of men since Adam. Okay. All right. Since Cain. All right. That's good. Cain. It did not repent. There's no resurrection. There's a resurrection for unbelievers, but it comes. In Revelation 20, at the great white throne. 
That's the judgment of unbelievers. That's the judgment of unbelievers. And that's in Revelation 22. And Not 22, 22. Also. So we know like during the Millennial Kingdom there will be people who are not believers who are sinners and, not, and do not get saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end of that... I intended to get there tonight, but there will be no way. Unless <laughs> go to 11. Uh, we're going to get you there with questions. Um, but And then the unbelievers from the beginning of human history are raised at the end of the Millennial Kingdom. Right. So at that point, like... That's the judgment. the great white throne judgment. Then there's there's no unbelievers after that point. No, the eternal state. Because the millennium is over and the resurrection has happened of all unbelievers. Right. And Satan's tied up for good. There's a resurrection of the first fruits. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Here's the tomb and he rose. He's the first fruits. He's the only human being with a glorified body. Remember the first fruits. The, the feast of the first fruits was the first bushel you harvested. What did you do with that? You gave it to the Lord. As a guarantee that you will put the rest, you'll take the rest in and use it wisely. Jesus is the first fruit. The next resurrection is at the rapture. That's all church saints. Everybody from Pentecost to the time when Jesus comes for the church, and He comes in the clouds. He doesn't come to the ground. We meet Him in the air. It'll be sudden. And that's because Pentecost, everything before Pentecost was Old Testament believer. Correct. And has already been emptied out of Sheol. Yes. Okay. You see, death was very gloomy. We're really getting into this. Uh, there goes my Pentecostal tendencies. Uh, when, when, uh, when they died in the Old Testament, it was gloomy. There was not a lot of revelation. A death was not looked forward to. Remember uh, Hezekiah? Uh, he made a mistake and God said, tell Hezekiah, get your house in order. Hezekiah pled with God and God said, okay, I'll give you 15 more years. Yeah. Because Hezekiah said, how can I praise the Lord if I'm dead? Well, when Christ came, the reason they didn't go to heaven was because of the sin issue. Sin had not been taken care of prior to the cross. It God forgave on credit. Now, when Jesus came, he paid for the sins of the Old Testament. And he gave us a gift card. Do the Old Testament believers also get to reign in the millennial kingdom? Right. Because they're promised that. So we meet them in the air and they come back down. You ever wondered why it says in Hebrews 6, what did Abraham look for? A city whose builder was God. Yeah. He's looking for the new Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. 
That's what kept him going. God said, all this land is yours, Abraham. You're going to have a lot of children. Well, how many did he have legitimately? One son. The only property Abraham ever owned was the caves of Machpelah, where he buried his wife. Where Joseph was buried. Where Isaac was buried. And Jacob was buried. That's all he ever owned. But it says in Hebrews, by faith he looked forward to a city built by God. He looked for the new Jerusalem. We don't know how much God told him other than what we read in the Bible. But we know this, he looked for a city whose ruler and maker was God. I'm going to settle down and I'm going to enjoy the kingdom that God has promised me. You know what what this is all about here tonight? For you to know that you can enjoy in the next billion years everything that God intended you to enjoy. There's going to be community. There's going to be art. There's going to be music. There's going to be nations. There's going to be economy. Everything that God intended to do for humans in the first creation at the beginning, God is going to do for us eternally. Praise His name. I I made it very good and sin destroyed the whole mess and I'm going to restore it. Take a look at Colossians 1, uh, 18 and 19. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Read the next verse. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of, of his cross, through him, I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. What's it going to reconcile? All things. That goes back to that universal, what did you call it? Kingdom. The universal kingdom. All things is universal. Yeah. He made the heavens and earth and all. He made it universal. We'll go through this. When God created heaven and earth, he made the animals. He only made the highest of his creation is mankind. They were created in his image. In his likeness. We have self consciousness. We have intelligence. We have free will. We have everything that God has in his makeup in minute form. And he said, Here's what I'm going to do Adam, you're going to have dominion over the cattle and the fish of the sea. You're going to have dominion over all the earth. And so I created this earth, this universal kingdom, and I'm giving it to you to rule over. Well, he got tempted. 
You see, he was righteous, but righteous isn't righteousness until it's been tested. And he was tested. And he fell. He deliberately took the fruit from Eve. And as a result of his transgression, the whole world crashed in. The ground that was to be his support became his enemy. Murphy's Law. If you're not a farmer, you have Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong, why? Will we'll go, we'll go wrong. <laughs> and we've all experienced that. We got into a project that was going to be neat and nice, and it just turned out to be a headache. And, and we are working by the sweat of our brow. It's never been easy. Plus, a curse came on the animals, Romans 8. The reign of tooth and claw. The little beautiful bird that sits and sings, keeps an eye out for what? Cats. Other animals. Every animal is scared to death of something. Yes. So, around these references to the first resurrection, that's the church. Those are the believers. That's the rapture. Yeah. And the, the other part is that after the church is resurrected, resurrected, Israel is resurrected after the seven-year tribulation because the seven years is still part of the rule of Israel. You go to Daniel and you find out that uh, Daniel says, okay, that uh, I'm confessing the sin of the sins of Israel. Now, Lord, what's going to happen next? The captivity is about over. Now what? So God says you're going to have 490 more years. And I'm, he delivered it to him in 77th. Well, the 69th week came. And when the 69th week was over, Jesus died on the cross. So there's still seven years hanging out there. Between the 69th and the 70th year, 70th week, there is the church. Daniel didn't see that. But you can see it in retrospect. In fact, there's a clue in the Hebrew language. He said, after the 69th week, the person, the group of people who destroyed Israel in 70 AD, a king is going to come out of that group. He's the Antichrist. And he's going to promise the world peace. Is the world ready to hear a strong leader say that I can resolve the issues of this world? I think we are. Yeah. More ready. I don't think the Antichrist is on the scene yet. But he's always ready because Satan doesn't know when the rapture is going to take place. So he's always had a man or two in the scene seems that he can catapult into, catapult into uh, that leadership position. But God knows. Satan doesn't know her. Thank God. Alright. Any other questions before we move on? Okay, verse 7. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations. 
during this thousand years, catch that? This means yes. Okay. He will come to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Interesting. Calls them Gog and Magog, a reference to a previous battle. To gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Look. If you're living in the millennium and you're not a believer, then you are living under a rule you hate. You're reigning under a law of God. And if you're not a believer, you hate that. <clears throat> but you got to obey, right? Because he's ruling with a rod of iron. Correct? So this is not a fun time. This intermediate state's not an unfun time for an unbeliever. <clears throat> Even though Christ is seen and in person on the earth. Ever heard the argument? Well, I won't, if I don't see Christ, I won't believe in him. They'll see him. They'll know him. There'll be no Bible studies. The knowledge of God will be like the knowledge of the water covering the sea. They'll know that. And still, the stubbornness of the human heart still revealed in the perfect conditions. What's the, what's the theme of our politicians? A chicken in every pot? No more lack of education? <coughs> racial things are to get rid of the racial problems? Everybody have enough money in their pocket to do what they want to do? And we'll have a perfect earth. Answer? What's the problem? That's God. Yeah. It's a depraved art. Some of them will become believers, won't they? Who? In the millennium, some will come. Oh, yeah. Some will come home. <coughs> right. Uh, it says the sand of the sea here, like a great multitude. <coughs> They'll come storming up like the guy did in Moscow, trying to take over Moscow. And they'll come on up. God will slay them with the breath of his mouth. And what is he showing? You know, the point, one of the points of the millennium is I'll give you perfect conditions, but you are sinful. And perfect conditions are not enough to cause you to turn to him. The Holy Spirit will have to work in your heart. Well, you're born spiritually dead. So yeah. How would that work? He, he, he yeah, still has to even be they're born, born again. spiritually dead. Yeah. You know. So, how did you and I come to Christ? The Holy Spirit worked on our heart. We didn't even know it probably at the time, but in retrospect, we see how God led us to Himself. I grew up in a Christian home, but I was as unsaved as uh, a native and the jungle who never heard of Christ. I was an enemy of God. And it took a while to convince me. Is but the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit did. Uh, is His activity in the millennium? Pardon? Is the millennium, is the Holy Spirit's activity in the millennium much the yes, same? Yes, right. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's ministry is regeneration. Mm 
So even in the Old Testament, the people who were saved were saved by through the Spirit working on their heart. So can you remind me? So the, the people, um, like, who are the ones that are living and, and having children and that come into the millennium that aren't reigning? I mean, we'll be reigning. Uh-huh. And the ones that are martyred during the tribulation. So where is it? It's the living believers? And the Old Testament saints. And the Old Testament saints. Okay. All the all saved will be ruling and reigning okay. some capacity in the millennium. Now, I don't know what that composes. No. I've heard some, and I don't know. He even mentioned it, but you know, God has a vast universe. How big is his universe? We haven't found the end of it. Do you think there's an end? I don't know. <laughs> Is there a sign and a space somewhere out there? Is that what we're looking for? I mean, it's so the more they get in space, the more bizarre it becomes. Beautiful. The earth, how's it going? Psalm 19, the scientists and Psalm. Heavens declare, what is it? Uh, heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So you go out tonight, it's a clear night, and look at the sky. You're looking at the handiwork of God. The sun comes up, shows his power. When the sun comes up, we have sunflowers that follow him all the way in the sky. Unbelievable. Uh, Rod, uh, you might want to explain a little difference between the um, the church age saints, their resurrection, and the Old Testament saints and their resurrection because they're not the same. They're two different times. Yeah. But they are the same. They still receive the same body. Right. I'm not arguing that. It's just when their resurrection yeah. ends. Yeah. Okay. When the Lord comes, He comes. Here's the earth. When the Lord comes, He comes in the clouds, and we meet Him there. First Thessalonians, chapter four, the last part of that chapter. Then there's the tribulation. Seven years. During which time every mountain will be moved, every island moved. Uh, look at the things that hit the earth, pollute the water, pollute the, the earth. I mean, it's a horrible time. Then Jesus comes, Zechariah 14, and he comes to the Mount of Olives. And we go to heaven and we come back with him. And that'll be Israel and everybody from Adam and Eve on. Who are believers. You ever thought you'd like to talk to Elijah and Elisha and Adam? And no. There's an old joke about that. A guy used to travel around the Johnstown flood in Pennsylvania was really wrecked havoc. People were killed, the dam broke. And he went around making lectures about this in the United States, and he dies and he gets to heaven. He, says, he said, you know, 
Peter I've been making these lectures. Can I can I make a lecture to the people in heaven on the Johnstown flood? Sure. Here's a room over there. Why don't you do it there? And he gets up to speak and he says, Sir, I thought I'd let you know Noah's in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, they come back. Uh, Old Testament saints are resurrected at what point in that? Oh, okay. When Jesus comes to the Mount of Olives, they're resurrected. They go into Daniel makes a statement on that in, Dan in the Daniel 12, verse, the last yeah. verse. He says, uh, but go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. His days don't end until the end of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. That's that's the that's the reason for it. Mm -hmm. Make that seventieth week first. Yeah. This may blow some of your minds, but uh, I intend to. Uh, to go back and show you that uh, that the, the people expected a king. And he came. The king of Israel came. Herod tried to kill him. He had to go to Egypt to escape that particular adventure. And if you look at the Gospel of John like we did the last couple of Wednesday nights, they always tried to kill Christ. The devil was after him at every moment. To kill Christ is to end the entire program of God. Athali tried it. Mm -hmm. He killed all the royal seed except Joash. Yeah. And if it wouldn't have been for Jehoiada and Joashima. Uh -huh. In the line of Christ. Yeah, it would have happened. And the whole book of Esther. Mm -hmm. The whole book of Esther is a story about God's providence. How that the world came close to eliminating the Jew. And if you would eliminate the Jew, you destroy the Bible. The existence of a Jew is the strongest proof for the validity of Bible truth. Think about it. Have you seen a Hamite lately or a Canaanite lately? <laughs> Have you seen a Jew lately? Probably have. At least on television. We'll pick it up here next week and we'll get into the Old Testament. Save your notes. We only get Yeah, save your notes. <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer. <laughs> Father, we thank you. Uh, we've got over a lot of, uh, of things this evening. And we pray that as we think these things over, that if we have any questions, we'll just take the time and go to the Word and find it ourselves. Be like the saints at Berea who searched the Scriptures to see if these things are so. Lord, we want to be accurate. And we just thank you for the beautiful program that you've outlined and how you've taken a sinful, 
destroyed creation and step by step are putting it back together then in the end it will glorify you in every way and we too along with you in Jesus name Amen